Alderman DJ Service presents Pythons and Pigskins, week number two, episode two. We've got Coach Zach Belcher sitting here with us today, along with your professor, Will Alderman. I think last week went very well, uh, William. Yeah, going to actually download twice, download both of these episodes at the same time, and drop them before NFL opening night, which is going to be Thursday uh, September the 6th? Yep. Thursday, September the 6th, we've got kickoff. At 8.30. 8.30 p.m., and it's going to be the defending world champions, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. So It's going to be a good matchup. Right, absolutely. I agree. I've got my WVU cup filled with coffee here this evening. I'm a proud Mountaineer. WVU kicked some ass last weekend. Yes, they did. Tell you what, right now, WVU's defensive line was the most dominant defensive line I watched all day Saturday. I don't know if Tennessee was just young, and I know their downfall was their offensive line, but, boy, you can't argue with Bigelow uh, short enough at defensive line for the Mountaineers this past week. Do you think any of his teammates refer to him as Bam Bam Bigelow? I thought the same thing whenever I heard that. That first tackle on the very first play of the game when he broke through the Tennessee offensive line and just absolutely speared that quarterback. And I know you saw the parody on social media because I shared it the other day. And it was a parody, I guess, of an old Hell in the Cell match. As soon as he did the spear on the Tennessee quarterback, you heard Jim Ross going, My God, my God, he's killed him! <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, right now, that, that center, uh, the the one on one him, and, and he just ate that center up all game. And, and it was apparent in the very first play of the game when he busted through there and the you know, Tennessee Volunteers tried to run that quick screen because WU had a little bit of a uh, back. We backed off with our defensive backs, but uh, – why, why would you try to run that? If your offensive line is not very good, I don't understand. Why would you try to run that under center? And, and the defensive line below, he was in a one technique, and he just shot right through there and killed that uh, center or a quarterback. And and rest of the night, they tried to double-team him and triple-team him, and he just ate it up. I mean, he was a top-five pick a, two years ago, and he and he went down with and tore both ACLs. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but he tore both ACLs, and he came back and uh, – he came as his fifth-year senior at WU as a graduate, and he's awesome. I mean, he just shores up our defense, and that's what we've needed. The D-line was very impressive. And would you say that that opening play of the game, the way Bigelow got the deep penetration on the Tennessee backfield, you think that set the tone for the game? I think it did. I think that right there set the tone for the game, and that's what you got to do. His, his pad level was low. I mean, he's just powerhouse. And uh, I mean, hell, defensive line was so good, uh, Gibby didn't even have to bring much pressure with the backers or, or safeties. I mean, he did because Gib, Gibby, if it's third and long, uh, Gibson's bringing pressure. I don't know from where, but he's bringing it. Tell you what, I definitely give WVU's D-line an A+. As myself as an educator and constantly giving grades – WVU's D-line earned an A-plus the other day. I wouldn't say A-plus. I mean, for the Tennessee game, yeah, they're still unproven. I think they're going to be good this year, and I think they're going to uh, do very good against Big 12. But I want to see defensive line do it against TCU and Oklahoma this year. All right, linebackers, I give the grade of an A. Linebackers were in there all game as well. They were doing their part of pounding the pavement as well. Oh, it's very easy to play linebacker when you got defensive line. Like, if you got a good defensive line, uh, linebacker, you can run free. And when you can run free as a linebacker, you, you make plays out there. Defensive line makes you look good. Yeah, but let's not take anything away from the linebackers as well. I mean, they just looked really good compared to what WVU's defense has been um, in the past 12 months. Now, 2016, we got a little bit spoiled by WVU's defense. They had a 10-win season, and a lot of that was due to the defense that they had. I mean, there was a lot of games where I was setting really sweating bullets in the last two minutes of the game. Skylar Howard, 
a decent quarterback, probably a C plus slash B minus quarterback. Not great, but efficient. Definitely a starting quarterback with 10 wins, but a lot of that had to do with WVU's defense. Last year, the defense drops off. This year, we've already seen an improvement. There's nowhere to go but up after the season WVU had last year on defense. The D-line looked good. The linebackers looked good. The secondary, though, needs a lot of work. I I, I give. uh, Hang on just a second. I'm going to go ahead and give the secondary a grade of a C-minus last week. I wouldn't even give them. I, I'd, I'll tell you what, secondary played well, I thought. And and this is why. When your defensive line and your linebackers are playing so well, if you make a team a one-dimensional team, you know, you got run, you got pass. If you can make them do one or the other and that's all they can do, uh, you've won the game on defense. And, and that's what that's why defensive back struggled because Tennessee was, had to start throwing the ball. I think – I can't remember what – I think Tennessee threw the ball close to 40 – Plus times during the Tennessee Well, that's where I got frustrated in the first half. So many times on third and long, Tennessee was converting these first downs. I mean, it was all the way up until the halftime that they kept putting yardage. Thank God they weren't putting points on WVU, but they were getting the yards until we had some major defensive stops there late in the first half. And then, of course, they held them in the second half. I mean, final score was 40-14, to 14, which you did a good job on your prediction the other oh, day. You said WVU 40, Tennessee 12. I said WVU 37, Tennessee 27. So we're both 1-0 and in that regard, but you were the closest to the final score. So I'm actually going to get you a cup of coffee at work this week because you almost nailed that score. However, did you not get frustrated in that first half watching WVU secondary constantly giving up first down after first down after first down? I, I wouldn't say frustrated, but I, that's what Tennessee had to do. I mean, they found they found they hit us where we was weak at, which was outside, and they was they was throwing it downfield on the outside. And I, I'm telling you right now, Will, it, it had nothing to do. I don't think it was nothing to do with uh, our defensive back play. I thought our defensive back play, we had coverage defense on them. Had, quarterback's good. That was good. The, I mean, the quarterback can place balls. Well, let me ask you this: one play I don't really understand in football, unless you have a Noel Devine in the backfield. Or a Darius Renard. Why constantly run these bubble screens? WVU ran so many bubble screens the other day, I felt like we were back in the Bill Stewart era with Jeff Mullen as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> you got to keep them honest first off. You got to keep them honest. If you can lull, lull the defense up, lull them to sleep, you can go over the top. And bubble screens turn into streaks really quick, and especially if they're rolling the safeties down on you, Will. Um, it's very easy to just go over the top with them, but if you've got a high safety and you've got one on one, if if they're if they're in a two shell, and you see a two shell out there, and you throw a, a quick bubble screen out there, and and wide receiver and get a block on the cornerback, you've got five six yards every time. So you can't knock at, and especially if if the safety takes a bad angle and we get a block on a cornerback, he's gone. Okay. He, so we broke down the defense pretty good. Now we're getting into WVU's offense. And at the halftime, the score was West Virginia 10, Tennessee 7. One thing I really liked about this game, um, WVU kicked off. They deferred possession to the second half. Yeah. Now, I played a lot of NCAA football and Madden growing up on PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. I always deferred to the second half myself. I like to start out on defense, and I like to get the ball after the half. I know Tennessee's strategy was just keep it a game going into the halftime. That's what they did. It was. It was a three-point difference. That being said, the score at halftime should have been 21-7. to Will Greer came out smoking, literally, so much to the point his arm was on fire, he overthrew two touchdown passes. Yeah, he, he was. He overthrew them. I mean, it's still his first game of the season. Wins. It is. It is. Uh, they're still working on their mesh. I think they had a great offseason and stuff like that. And, um Uh, William, whenever you uh, 
you talked about deferring to the second half, and usually when coaches do that, defer to the second half, uh, that means they got a really good defense. And uh, I think uh, Holderson trusts his defense just as much as his offense this year, and I think Gibby's going to be calling pretty good uh, play calls for defense this year. So if I'm a head coach and i got a really good defense, and that's what you set the tone of the game with and which of you did, which we talked about earlier, uh, you, you defer to second half. You know you got the offense that can score. Let's see what the defense can do. All right, coming out of the halftime, I was getting a little bit nervous. It seemed like Tennessee had a lot of adrenaline, a lot of momentum as well, playing with a lot of fire, <clears throat> a lot of intensity. And it was an extended halftime, if you'll remember, because of a weather delay. Yeah. We had lightning storms in the area in Charlotte. They were evacuating the fans from the stadium. Finally got back out on the field. And before you know it, West Virginia just goes on an offensive tear. And they're up 27-7. to 7. And I'm nervous and thinking to myself, oh, we got a 20-point lead now. I can breathe a little bit easier. But that's just the type of person I am. I'm never comfortable with any lead. Nearing the end of the game, there was two minutes left, I think, inside of two minutes. West Virginia goes, goes ahead, and they put the final nail in the casket. And they throw the ball with a 34-14 to 14 lead. They have... What, what is that? 34 to 14. That's a 20-point lead, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. They got a 20-point lead. Two minutes to go. They go ahead and throw the ball into the end zone to put that final nail in the coffin. That was one where uh, Seals. Yes. Okay. Rear, rear to Seals. Yeah. That's correct. And they even go for a two-point conversion. Earlier in the game, they went for a two-point conversion. Not there. Not on that play. That's that's my bad. Mm-hmm. It was actually 33 to 14. Yes. But I enjoyed that. I don't call it running up the score. I call it being secure with your win. You're mm-hmm. securing the win when you go ahead and put the ball in the end zone with less than two minutes to go and you got a 33 to 14 lead. And, and let's be honest, guys. When you're a team like West Virginia, you want style points. And what do people look at? They look at the gap. How bad did you blow out the team? Tennessee, thanks for playing. Sorry you were on the seat receiving end of an ass-busting. But I'm glad it was us doing the ass whipping and not Tennessee. I'm tell you right now, uh, William, uh, that right there, I believe it was. Uh, they was pissed off because Vegas only had a ten point spread on them. Okay. So I, I and that's think, what I gave them was the ten point spread as well. Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew West Virginia was way better than ten points at Tennessee. Tennessee was they're overhyped at the SEC. I'm tired of the SEC. The SEC ain't top football no more. Yeah, you got Alabama. That's all you got. LSU right there. They went down there. I think who who they player the other night. LSU went down and smoked Miami. Yep, they smoked they Miami. Did. They smoked Miami. Okay. I know Jeremiah Butcher probably isn't sleeping well over that one. Well, that's fine. He can't sleep well because I tell you right now, Miami sat there and showed themselves before the game, and uh, LSU smacked them right in the mouth. Smacked them right in the mouth and, and and whooped them properly before the game, during the game, after the game. It was a great, it was great football to watch. How about the Notre Dame Michigan game on Saturday night? I'm disappointed in Michigan. I thought Michigan would make it to the Final Four this year. Uh, Did you really? Yeah, I think Hardball might be on a little bit of the hot seat. If he loses Ohio State this year with Urban Meyer, I believe he's gone. All right, good deal. Well, real quick, we'll talk very briefly about WVU's upcoming contest this weekend against Youngtown State. Now, normally you schedule a warm-up game like that, and let's just call it like it is. When you've got a team of WVU's level going up against Youngtown State in a year like this. This is your warm-up game. Mm -hmm. And WVU got their warm-up game against the Tennessee Volunteers. Now they get to come out for an encore this coming weekend in Morgantown. A bit of a homecoming, if you will. The opening home game 
and they're going to send those fans home happy in this one. I'm going to predict a final of, uh, I'm sensing like 45 to 10. That's what I'm going to say the final score is going to be. I'm going to go ahead and write that down, that WVU is going to beat Youngstown State this weekend, 45 to 10. Let's go ahead and get your prediction for this weekend's game. And I don't predict Will Greer to play the whole game, by the way. I, I got something else. I got something else to tell you. After you make your prediction, go ahead and break down the WVU Youngstown State game and give me your final score prediction. Then I got something to tell you about Will Greer. I tell you right now. I tell you something about Will Greer right now. He's Heisman, and 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 Holderson promised him a Heisman if he came to Morgantown. Will Greer ain't setting out a, a, a damn play this week. He throws seven touchdowns and a sixty to seven win. Sixty to seven win, and he throws seven touchdowns and you say he plays the entire game entire game was 600 yards passing he breaks right. records this wow. week okay that's going to be exciting to see kickoff is later in the evening i think around six yeah. that evening maybe yeah. six o'clock and it's on the former root sports channel i think it's at&t sports now or something like that on direct tv i know it's 559 local cable the pittsburgh station that you've watched for years that's the game that wvu is going to be on and I noticed earlier on ESPN, all the ESPN experts right now, after week one, have Will Greer in first place for the Heisman. And it's not even close, the competition behind him. No, I think the only other competition he's got right now is that quarterback from Alabama. He came out and showed off. And uh, I think Alabama solved their quarterback problem real quick. And everybody sat there and says, uh, Nick Saban is, Nick Saban that. Well, Nick Saban's a genius. <laughs> all right, good deal. Moving on to the NFL. There's your college football predictions. Actually, we got to do one more thing before we move on to the NFL. My apologies. Let's get your expert prediction on the Marshall Thundering Herd this weekend. By the way, I came into this show not knowing anything about the Marshall Thundering Herd, and I predicted a win last weekend. When I say something like 23 to 16, 23 17, you predicted a loss, and I know they won the game 36 to 28. So I'm 2 and 0 on my WD Marshall prediction. I think they won 34 27, William. Uh, they, they did. Uh, Marshall ran the ball very well. They have a the they started the freshman red uh, redshirt freshman quarterback this past week, and he came out and I think he threw for three hundred yards and two scores, three uh, something like that. But uh, what everybody was questioning because Maribal's gone now. Maribal is now uh, at Oregon. He's the offensive line coach at Marshall, and you know he's gone. So I, I questioned the running game. They got three really good backs there at Marshall, but their offensive line. I, I I don't really ain't you know I go to Marshall Clinic every year, and I really haven't got to meet their new offensive line coach, and I don't know much about him. But uh, I know Maribal. He was great. Uh, that took a hit from Marshall. Coach Heater being gone this year. Uh, he's in Maryland now as a defensive backs coach. I mean Marshall lost a good staff. Bill Leg got fired from last year. Well, he stepped down, but he got fired. He got told to step down. That's that's what happened there. But uh, Marshall come out and they ran the ball, okay. and they ran it right. I think he had almost 200 yards on on the ground. I think he had uh, two scores on uh, on there. Um, Marshall looked good. Uh, they threw the ball well, and I with unproven, untested red shirt freshman quarterback. You, ain't, you don't expect Marshall to go out there and beat Miami, Ohio, but they did good. Got Eastern Kentucky this week. I'm gonna go ahead and since he played so well, and I'm he gave me some confidence because I knew their defense was gonna be pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Eastern Kentucky wins. Uh, or uh, Eastern Kentucky, I'm, so, I'm, wow. so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to say Marshall wins. All right, let's write down your final here. Let's go ahead. Go, let's go ahead and say I'm going to say Marshall wins 34 to 14. Okay. Belcher predicts a Marshall victory this weekend. You said 34 to 14 over Eastern Kentucky? Yes, sir. All right. My prediction, I was seeing something like 34 to 21. 
So we both agree on Marshall's final score, and we both agree it's going to be a Marshall victory. So we're predicting a state of West Virginia sweep this weekend. WVU and Marshall both should be victorious. Now we can move on to the NFL. It's opening week. I'm excited, man. I love the NFL. That's my weekly escape. I can watch all the games. It does not just have to be a Cincinnati Bengals game, and I'm excited to watch tomorrow night's game. Before we do anything, let's just go through the 16 games here, and let's predict the winners. We've got Atlanta at the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champion, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm taking Philadelphia. Who are you going to take in that game? I'm going to take Philly also. Philly, Philly's coming back, and Carson Wentz is going to come out there, and he's going to light the world on fire question is is Alshon Jeffrey going to be um uh on the sideline or is he going to be in the game um that night I I don't know we'll have to we'll have to wait and see but uh Julio Jones uh you can't say anything uh only thing I don't like about them the offensive line in Atlanta is inconsistent uh but boy you got Julio Jones and, and Freeman back here in the backfield uh Atlanta's got some talent and their defense is very talented too I don't know who's going to come out of this but I'm going to say Philly by three all right, take your pen and go ahead and circle Philly there so that we know we can compare our stat sheets together there next week. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Now, we've talked about this before. Cleveland is on to something. They're not there yet. Pittsburgh is aging. I think Pittsburgh is on the downward spiral, but neither team is where I predicted that they're at yet. So I'm going to go ahead and take the comfortable pick and say Pittsburgh begins the year 1-0 by knocking off the Cleveland Browns at home. I'm going to disagree with you. I think Cleveland's got a good mesh right now, and I, you know, it's you know, I, I want Cleveland to do well, but uh, Pittsburgh uh, loses at Cleveland uh, for the simple fact is Le'Veon Bell, he wasn't in practice today, and um, he ain't playing in the game this Sunday. I don't believe. Gives you something to think about, you fantasy owners out there. I know a lot of you are probably taking Le'Veon with your first three picks. Oh yeah. So. Got to, work, got to watch that lineup this weekend, guys. See if he is going to be active for Sunday's game at the Dog Pound in Cleveland. All right, my Bengals are going to be at Indy against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts, Indianapolis Colts. Isn't that old uh, Brute Basadre's team, the Colts? It is. I yeah, thought it, it was. All right, there's a, there you go, Brute, if you're listening to us. We're thinking about you this evening. But I don't think about you that much. Sorry, I'm taking my homer pick. The Bengals are going to start out the year 1-0. They're going to open up with a win on the road. I was going to say the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, but it hasn't been called that in years, and now they play in a completely different stadium. I do realize that. But let me give you another prediction about the Cincinnati Bengals. And somebody agreed with me today. Oh, boy. I said the Bengals are going to win the AFC North with a record of 10-6. and six. And hang on, let me tell you why. Pittsburgh's getting old. They're on the downward spiral. Cleveland's on to something, but they're not there yet. Baltimore, who knows what the hell they're doing. The Bengals are Baltimore's going to is dangerous this year. Okay, wait a minute. The Bengals are going to surprise. They are going to surprise some people this year. Andy Dalton is one of the most consistent quarterbacks in Cincinnati Bengals history. He's right up there with Kenny Anderson, Boomer Esiason, and Carson Palmer. He's in elite company. He's got one of the best receivers in the league with AJ Green. Mixon as a running back. You got Gio Bernard with that experience. He's not going to light the world on fire, but he's going to make some big plays. John Ross, some of your younger receivers. I know they don't have a TJ Hoosier Mame anymore or Chris Henry, God rest his soul, but they have some viable options. And don't be surprised if Tyler Eifert comes back and has maybe one or two big games before he gets hurt, and that's nothing but love. I love Tyler Eifert. I really do. I liked him when he was Tyler in college Eifert's- at Notre Dame. But don't be surprised if he puts up Antonio Gates, like 2006, 2007, Antonio Gates' top numbers for one game. That's what I'm saying, just one game. But it's going to be enough for Cincinnati 
to go 10-6 and six this year and win the AFC North. And on defense, they don't have the distraction of Pac-Man Jones. All right, go ahead. I'm a, I'm a realist. I'm a realist, and I'm going to go against that because one, one reason, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is is a phenomenal quarterback, and he's a he's a top he's a top seven quarterback in the NFL. Andy Dalton is not. Uh, uh, one person going to be disappointed this week and not going to go with you. It's going to be me. I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm going to take them in a in an overwhelming victory. 20, overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory. I think Indy puts up forty points on them. Wow. Okay, let's move on to the next game. Tennessee at Miami. i go ahead and tell you right now, Tennessee wins that one. Yep, we agree on that one. Tennessee wins on that one. All right, the Niners at the Vikings. I'm going Minnesota. I'm going to go with Jimmy G at San Francisco. I think Jimmy G is going, uh, is going to do good things there. It's it's in Minnesota, uh, but that, that's fine, too. Uh, they've got a new quarterback, and I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be very good there. Interesting. Kyle Rudolph is going to go off because I drafted him for my fantasy team. I need him to get a couple touchdowns there on Sunday. One can wish. Yeah, maybe. Houston against the runner-up last year, the first loser last year, the New England Patriots. Let's go with the homer pick, and I'll go with the New England Patriots. Tom Brady's going to come out and prove that he's not too old yet, like we talked about last week. Houston Healthy is the most talented team in the NFL. Sean Watson is the best up-and-coming rising star right now. I'm going to go with Houston. Now let's hope Will Fuller has a big game. I've got him in my starting lineup for well, this coming you, weekend. Well, New England has lost their defensive coordinator. He's now the head coach for Detroit Lions. I'm curious to see how uh, their defense uh, handles him being gone. All right, next game we've got Tampa Bay at New Orleans. I'm going to take the Saints down at, what's it called, the Superdome mm-hmm. in New Orleans? Okay, yeah, I'm going to take the Saints in that one. Drew Brees is going to have a big game. He's my fantasy quarterback, so I need him to have a big game. I got New Orleans. Uh, Jameis Winston being out, I, I don't like their quarterback right now in Tampa Bay. It's I'm going to say New Orleans also. All right. Jacksonville at the New York Giants. I'm going to take the road victory for Jacksonville. They're going to start the season out 1-0. I agree with you there. Their defense is going to be better than last year. Buffalo at Baltimore. Let's go with the Bills on that one. Another road win. They'll start the season one and zero. I'm going to go Baltimore on that one. I think I think people are sleeping on the Ravens. Ravens is going to be better than what you think, people. All right, Kansas City at the L.A. Chargers. I will go with Philip Rivers and the L.A. Chargers. I'm going to go with Chargers also. Seattle at Denver. That's your team. I'm definitely going to go with Denver at home. Yeah, Denver at mile high is going to be hard to beat. Seattle's not the team they were in the past. Their defense ain't as good as what they were. I think their uh, safety, I think Earl Thomas, he's out this week. He may be out for good. I'm not sure. I got an update earlier on my phone. I ain't really checked it. I'm curious what's going on with him. But I think Casey Keenum comes out, and I think he does a great job for Denver. I think the offense gets a resurgence. I think Royce Freeman does a great job on the ground. I think Denver wins. And uh, I tell you who I'm really wanting to watch in Denver, Bradley Chubb, our fifth, our fifth round, our fifth pick in the draft, first round. He is a man child. He's a man child at North Carolina State. I'm curious to see how he does in the NFL. All right. How about we go Washington at Arizona? I think I'm going to take David Johnson and the Arizona Cardinals at home. I'm curious to see how David Johnson comes back after an injury like that. I don't think he's going to put up numbers like he did before, but uh, I'm going to take Washington. Okay. Very interesting. I, I like Alex Smith. America's team, the Dallas Cowboys against the Carolina Panthers down in Charlotte. I'm going to go with... Cam Newton and the Panthers taking home the win against America's team. You won't see me very many times uh, pick for the Dallas Cowboys. 
Um, but this, this is definitely not one of them weeks either. I'm going to go with Carolina also. Well, it's not who you like and who you dislike. It's about who do you think is going to win the game. There's going to be some weeks I'm not going to take Cincinnati. I'm just really feeling a Cincinnati victory this week. All right. The Bears against the Green Bay Packers at Green Bay. Now, Chicago's been kind of down here the past few years. Going up to Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham. Yeah. It's pretty much his number one receiver now in the tight end slot. No, 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 no. He's he's a great red red zone threat, but you still got uh Dante Adams there. You got you got uh Cobb there, Randall Cobb there. He you've got they were going to trade Randall Cobb. No, Cobb's still there. I think he's pretty sure he's in the starting lineup this week for Green Bay. Uh, here's the thing to look out for. Khalil Mack is now a Chicago Bear. He's a Chicago Bear. I don't know if you all know this, but um Khalil Mack being there, him not being there, it ain't gonna be enough to beat Aaron Rodgers. All right, well I'm taking Green Bay on that one. And let's go with the New York Jets at the Detroit Lions. Tell me who are you picking in that one? J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets is going to win that one. Uh, new head coach there. Uh, he was a defense coordinator at New England, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think New, New York Jets win that one, uh, and I think they uh, win it pretty big. All right. To Mon and Julie's family listening in Detroit, I am taking the Detroit Lions getting the victory to go 1-0 at Ford Field this weekend. And the last game on tap we have on Monday night, I think that Jets and Lions game is also a Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Oh, I think it's a doubleheader. I think yeah, it is, right. I think it's because Jets Oakland, and Oakland. Right. You've got the uh, Jets at Lions earlier in the evening around 7 o'clock kickoff, and where Oakland's out on the West Coast, you've got the L.A. Rams kicking off at Oakland around 10 o'clock. Well, the L.A. Rams is my way too early prediction to be Super Bowl champion, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams. They're going to start their run to become Super Bowl champions this year by defeating the Oakland Raiders at the Oakland Coliseum. Hey, I tell you right now, the Rams have spent a lot of money this offseason. They've got to keep to leave. They've signed Aaron Donald. Uh, they've got a great quarterback. They've got Todd Gurley. I mean, they've got it all. Offensive line. They've got Brandon Cooks, a wide receiver. They've, they've got it all. The defense is set. Um, Rams is a smart pick, smart pick early, but I don't think they're going to win Super Bowl this year, but they are going to win Monday night. My early pick, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. So you're going with the crosstown rival there, the former San Diego Chargers. Phillip Rivers is going to get him a ring on the He's going to get him a ring, and he's going to he's retire. Going to pull, he's going to pull a uh, – John Elway. John Elway, a Joe Flacco. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis wasn't Michael, a quarterback. Right, Michael. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> the water boy reference. Now, if you look at them guys and they're Joe fine. Montana was a quarterback. Let me tell you right now, you look at the NFL, and they play on it too. Uh, you look at the guys that's had a great career, a great, long, prestigious career, and Phillip Rivers is one of them guys. Um, you know, Los Angeles Rams is young. They're going to have a team again. I don't think it's their year, though. I think that uh, Phillip Rivers is, is right now, he's going to get him one this year, and they're going to send him out like they did Strahan, like they did the bus, like they did John Elway, like they did a lot of uh, players. Before we finish our segment on the NFL, and I even hate to bring this up on this show because every single week, I'm bringing it up out of anger, because every week when I watch football, it's my escape from reality. The last thing I want to see is politics mixed with the NFL. We've been getting that a lot here the past few years. I've heard a lot of people tell me they're never watching the NFL again, and it's all because of the Colin Kaepernick protests. Now, here recently... He has uh, got all these awards and accolades. Nike has made him their spokesman for their anniversary of Just Do It. And the way the arguments I've been having with individuals, the conversations I've been having with individuals, 
to get your point across, organize a march on Washington, D.C. He started this in 2016. All right? That's not too many years removed from when he was the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, and they played in the Super Bowl. Who was it they played against? The uh, Baltimore Ravens, if I'm not mistaken. That was Joe Flacco and Ray Rice. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, instead of using the NFL as your platform, why did he not just organize a march on Washington, D.C. and get the media involved? Why use the NFL? Well, William, if you think about it, a lot of those uh, African-American athletes have used um, uh, sports stages as, as forms of protest. I think what, I can't remember what Olympics it was, but whenever – 68, 68 Olympics. 68 Olympics where the uh, two athletes uh, held their fist up in the air after they won gold medals. Uh, th- that right there, uh, athletes has used uh, their uh, – I guess their pros – professional uh stage to uh protest what they don't agree with now here's the thing i don't i don't disagree with any of that uh here's what i disagree with um with colin kaepernick uh kaepernick he done a lot he's done a lot for communities and he's done this and that ain't taking that nothing away from him but the way he started this protest the way he the way he's uh, uh uh began it now you took a, a, a he kneeled for the flag he kneeled for the flag that's disrespectful okay you don't do that uh, you find other ways. I agree. Kneeling for a flag is not one of them. Uh, you find another way, and you've—I mean—you've got press conferences. You can voice your opinion at. You've got all kinds of different ways to voice your opinion. Why I kneel for the flag? I don't understand that. But what puked me the most is whenever he wore those socks. Wearing the socks with the pigs on them is really what got to me. I definitely agree with that. Now, my grandfather, who's been deceased since 2000, I don't have a reason to do any type of protest to where I would get down on my knee when the national anthem is being played. That being said, if I wanted to protest during the national anthem and get down on my knee and my grandfather was standing beside of me, even with me about to turn 40 years old, he would grab me by the hair of my head Mm -hmm. and physically make me stand up Mm -hmm. and say, you show some respect. Oh, yeah. A lot of men's died for that flag. Ain't no need to kneel for it. Going back to the socks with the pigs on them, though, that is a terrible, distasteful, and classless act by Kaepernick to do. I know several men and women that are protecting our communities, that are law enforcement officers, that are not only good law enforcement officers, they're also good family individuals. They're good mothers. They're good fathers. They're excellent human beings. They're good friends. And just to see him generalize all law enforcement officers as pigs, that's just an extremely distasteful move every professional has every 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 career choice everybody has uh turds in the punch bowl okay you, you, you can't let one person uh, uh burn the whole entire uh thing down it, it you know there's bad cops there's dirty cops there's bad teachers you there's and i bad, both are educators and coaches there's bad teachers there's bad, bad coaches. coaches there's bad there's bad people in there there's bad people in this world you don't you don't uh, uh pick out one entire you know if you got a bad person, Colin Kaepernick, if you're listening, if you got a bad player on your team, is the whole team bad or just him? Think about that. All right, so we've brought that up and we've got that out in the open. Feel free to voice your opinion whenever we get this dropped on our Facebook page, which hopefully will be uploaded within, let's see, this is the beginning of September. We'll get that Facebook page running before the end of the month for sure. Yeah. All right, very good. Moving on to Major League Baseball now. Weekly Reds update, they suck. <laughs> Same thing I said last week. They definitely suck. 
so I will say this much. We were talking about how good the Yankees were last week. i got to give the Red Sox some credit. And former Cincinnati Red Brandon Phillips was recently called up by the Red Sox. Got a home run and two RBIs today. I may do something this postseason I've never done before. What's that? Cheer for the Red Sox because Brandon Phillips was one of my favorite Reds in the past, I don't know, 10, 11 years. He came on the Reds in 2006, trade from the Cleveland Indians. And a buddy of mine asked me, who's been your three favorite Reds the past decade, or this century, rather? And I said, oh, we got a C-130 flying overhead. How about that? The Air Guard out of Charleston. Anyway, uh, my three favorite Reds this century has been Adam Dunn, Brandon Phillips, and Bronson Arroyo. I know none of those. Okay, well then don't worry about it. So <laughs> I'll just voice and say that Brandon Phillips is a future Reds Hall of Famer. Adam Dunn was inducted this year into the Reds Hall of Fame. And Bronson Arroyo is going to be a future Reds Hall of Famer. So they're pretty significant players. Oh, I, I, I had no doubt in my mind. <laughs> I, I, I just sit here and say it's uh, NFL, or uh, sorry, Major League Baseball season's too long. No, it's not. No, it's not. That is a wuss move. That is a wuss statement. You have really offended me by saying so. I am triggered. I am butthurt. You damn snowflake. It's it's too long. Actually, I'm the the one being the snowflake, right? You you are. (laughs) The ones that get triggered and get angry is the ones. You're a victim is what you are. I am a victim. That is right. I'm going to protest this. That's what I'm going to do. You're going to protest? How would you protest? How am I going to protest it? Let's see. How about, okay, since Colin Kaepernick protested at work, how about I go to work? And I sat outside the main entrance to the school with a baseball shirt on, and I just don't report to work that day. And when people come out and say, what are you doing? I'm going to say I'm protesting people saying that the baseball season is too long. It's not. I'm a traditionalist. It's a man's game. Football's a man's game. I'm just saying baseball's a man's game as well. It takes stamina to go 162 games. Lou Gehrig, Cal Ripken Jr. Just think, if if Reds would – if in Major League Baseball shortened season – the Reds might make it into the postseason because, boy, towards the end of the latter latter half of the season, they, they really falter. I'm going to say one thing, and then we're going to move on. Six years ago, and it seems like a lifetime ago, six years ago the Reds won 97 ball games en route to a Central Division title. They did make the postseason. They ended up losing in five games to the San Francisco Giants. I was actually at game five. It was one of the most heartbreaking events in sports that I have ever witnessed live. Probably the most heartbreaking. But to me, the season wasn't long enough. I really enjoyed the routine of every single day coming home and knowing from 7 to 10 I was going to unwind by watching my favorite baseball team. I went out and watched them eight times that year. I got to watch eight Cincinnati Reds games out of 81 home games. Thanks for the invite. I think you were away at Concord that year. I probably was. Okay, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I'll take you to a Reds game eventually. I'm just saying, those 97 wins were not enough for me, and when the season ended, yeah, I was devastated. But at the same time, I was like, man, it's hit me now that I'm not going to get to do this again until next year. The next season, they won 90 ball games. It was fun, but not as fun as 2012. So anyway, um, it's going to be an interesting pennant race for the rest of the month of September. We said that last week. We'll definitely start to analyze things as we get closer to game 162 that Coach Belcher says is too long. It's very too long. All right, moving on to NASCAR. You got any updates? Because I don't. I don't either. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk about NASCAR maybe in February when we start to get around to the Daytona 500, the race I actually watch. Um, Maybe if we're lucky, we'll talk about the last race of the season and who is going to be the Winston Cup champion. 
It's not even called the Winston Cup anymore. What the hell is it called now? I think it's uh, the X Cup or something like that. The X Series, Xfinity. They still got, they still got the Monster Energy Girls in there, though? No, it's called the Xfinity. Yeah. They lost the Monster Energy Girls? Yeah. Man, that was one of the best parts about watching the races yeah, last I'm year. Pre- Those Monster Energy Girls were hot. I'm pretty sure that they're not there no more. Um, oh, NASCAR, NASCAR's uh, viewership is conservatives, and they're playing to the liberals. Oh, jeez. So, that makes it even worse. It All is. Right. Politics and sports, they don't mix wwe what updates do we have this week we talked about SummerSlam last week got any wwe update, updates this week i, I do not i, I don't have, either I, I, didn't, I, have, I didn't get to watch it there last if week. we're going to talk wwe we're going to have to stay on the attitude air and down there in the, in, <laughs> and, the, and the silver age and all that other stuff uh, you mean the golden age the golden age whatever it was wherever they came from <laughs> all right Finish up the show, we're always going to do a weekly Mount Rushmore. And in honor of opening week of the NFL, our Mount Rushmore this week, the four greatest single-season teams in NFL history. Not the greatest franchises, but the four greatest teams. I'll go first, and I'll let you finish up. Football's your sport. So here's who I've got. Uh, 72 Dolphins. They went undefeated. Yeah, understandable. So, yes, yes, you got to recognize that. If it wasn't for the WFL, the, the World Football League, and, and pulling players off the Miami Dolphins, they'd have, They'd probably done it in 73, 74, and the Pittsburgh Steelers wouldn't have six rings. Well, Miami actually won back-to-back titles as part of that run when they had the undefeated season in 72. I can't remember if it was 71 or 73, but they did win the back-to-back title. Miami's only got one Super Bowl, and it was a 72. We're going to have to check that because I'm pretty sure they won back-to-back titles. No, I'm pretty sure they got one Super Bowl in 72, and he was hoping Marino could have done it when he came there in 84, and he, he... he made it there. He made it there. As a, I think he was 24, 25 years old out of Pittsburgh. And that man had a long career in front of him. He was going to make it there again. He never did. All right. I'm going to check that while you're going through your list. I got the 85 Bears. Okay. I think they only had one loss that year. Walter Payton, William the Refrigerator Perry, Jim McMahon at quarterback. Mike Singletary. Is Mike Singletary. Mike yep. linebacker. All right. I'm going to go with the 93 Dallas Cowboys. Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin. Uh, Emmett Smith didn't have Neon Dion yet, though. They didn't have primetime. He was in San Francisco playing for the 49ers. And I'm going to give your boys some love, the 99 Broncos. They put a cap on that season in the Super Bowl. In 99. In 99. That is correct. January or February of 99 against the Atlanta Falcons. Well, they wasn't it like fifty to fourteen. It wasn't even close. No, it wasn't. It wasn't much of a Super Bowl. Now they did win back to back titles. There, yes, they were the yes. defending world champion. You know, Elway, Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp. Oh, they had a, they had a good team with Rod Smith and all that. Rod Smith, absolutely. I mean, it was a phenomenal Denver team. It was a great time to be a Broncos fan. You had pretty sure you had Bill Romanowski here in the middle. Uh, it's a great time to be a Broncos fan. I, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that pick, but that's he's, they're not on my list. Okay, let's go ahead and get your. You got four. one more team. No, I don't. I you said don't? my. Okay, four. okay. My I four. said I said the seventy-two Dolphins, yep. eighty-five Bears, ninety-three Cowboys, and the ninety-nine Broncos. Okay, for uh, Coach Belcher's pick, he's going to go ahead and I agree with you. I mean, the only undefeated season of all time, you got to go with the seventy-two Dolphins. Uh, man, it was great. It was great. Uh, you know, I wish God I could have watched Larry Zonka and them run the ball, but um, like I said, if it wasn't for the WFL. Miami Dolphins would have been a force in the 70s. But that happened and gave birth to, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which leads me into my second team. 
76 Oakland Raiders with John Madden is at the helm. 76 Oakland Raiders, I think they beat uh, Pittsburgh in the AFC a year. Uh, that was some that was some great, great games. I mean, they were dirty. Uh, there was not very many rules back then. It was just men versus men, and who the biggest man was won. I think uh, Art Shell and them was on them teams. Um, it's just I, I've watched the game a couple a uh, couple times. Great, great football. Then I'm gonna go with the same pick you had with 85 Bears. Right. Uh, Walter Payton, Michael Singletary. Um, I was hoping Michael Singletary's coaching career would have did better than what it did. Kind of fizzled out there, and uh, I'm wanting to say, did he go to he was San Francisco, and then he went to Tampa or something like that? How I don't know exactly how that played out, but uh, Singletary, I think he'd be a great mind in the NFL. But here's a pick that uh, I think a lot of people will um, agree with me is the 07 New England Patriots. They didn't win the Super Bowl. They was 18 and 0. They won more games than the 72 Dolphins. Yeah, but what about the one loss they had? What a huge loss it was! And that's what everybody remembers is that one loss. And by the way, guess what? 72 Dolphins went undefeated. Look who won the Super Bowl the next year. I think you owe me a big fat apology. You owe me a coffee. Mm-hmm. Yep, Don Shula won the next following year. And uh, only had two losses. Two losses. Yeah, back-to-back years, 26-2 and two over two seasons with back-to-back Super Bowl wins. Don Super Bowl eight, the Miami Dolphins defeated the Minnesota Vikings. Fran Tarkenton and the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, Fran. Yeah. Well, let's go back to that 18-0 and 0 pick, though. Let's start that again. Tell me why you picked the New England Patriots. New England Patriots, are, let me go ahead and say right now, Tom Brady's the greatest Football player ever play the game. What is the number one goal of every team when the season starts? They win a Super Bowl. Exactly. Did they do that? They it don't matter. Did they win the Super Bowl? It don't matter. It don't matter. Tom Brady has five Super Bowl rings, and they had Randy. Listen, there that was the best defense. I think the average. I think the average twelve points given up per season on defense. I mean, all Tom Brady had to do was score fourteen points. He won, but he didn't. He went and scored forty. You had you had record breaking years that year out of Randy Moss, and I think Tom Brady was a MVP that year. How, how can you knock it? Uh, What's two, Eli Manning's Super Bowl record against Tom Brady? Oh, he's two and zero. Oh. <laughs> he's two and zero. Oh. Ain't taking nothing away from Eli. But uh, you're talking about player talent, uh, coaching wise. Uh, okay, one play that game ten times, and I bet you New England wins at nine of them. That day on that Sunday, any given Sunday, uh, the Giants beat them. Okay, Giants beat them. But I tell you what, you're living you're living in a fantasy world right now. Come on, come on, Tinkerbell, get out of fantasy land because it happened in real life and the New York Giants won that game. Yeah. Now, you played football your entire life. You're coaching football right now. If I gave you the opportunity, if I'm the fairy godmother or I'm the genie in the lamp and I give you the opportunity to say you're going to be able to live out one football fantasy, would you rather be remembered for going 18-0 and 0 and losing the Super Bowl to go 18-1 and one and people possibly calling you the greatest single-season team of all time? Or would you rather back into the playoffs with a 9-7 and seven or even an 8-8 eight and eight record? There's been some teams back into the playoffs with a 7-9 and nine record. But the catch is you win the Super Bowl and you have immortality. You have a Super Bowl ring for the rest of your life. Which one of those do you take? <laughs> I take the Super Bowl victory as a Bengals fan. I would give anything for a Super Bowl victory. Hey, I just want a playoff victory. Hey, you, right play, hey, you better be starting small, buddy. You better win the division first. Yeah, but I still take the memories of uh, Super Bowl in 1989 with that whole West Coast offense and Joe Montana to Jerry Rice when they're prepping Boomer Esiason 
for the I want to go to Disneyland speech, and they're like, hold on, wait a minute, get the cameras away from him, boys. Cincinnati ain't winning this game. Let me tell you right now, William. <laughs> five Super Bowl rings, Tom Brady. Five Super – can you name another player that's got five? Tom Brady has five Super Bowl rings, okay? He didn't give a – I'm telling you right now, he won Super Bowls with less talented teams uh, than he had in 2007. 2007 was the greatest mesh team together ever my, probably ever in the history. I I think the only team that could have probably beaten was the 76 Oakland Raiders. Derek Jeter has five World Series rings. Okay. Baseball goes by different things. They go by stats and everything. You know, if that's the case, then, uh, you know, Peyton Manning's better than Tom Brady because I think Peyton Manning holds more records than Tom Brady. John Cena has 16 WWF titles. And John, and John Cena's on my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I'm just saying, people are probably asking, what do the World Series ring and the WWF titles have to do with Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings? Because one of those five rings did not occur in the Super Bowl against the New York Giants. Eli Manning. You're right. He should have seven Super Bowls, but he's got five. He could, Actually, get, he, could give New, he could give Cincinnati one, and he'd still have four. That's more than their entire franchise. One of those Super Bowl rings he shouldn't have got, because why didn't they run the ball on the one-yard line? Why didn't Pete Carroll say... Give the ball to beast mode and get the one yard. You got the best running back in football, Marshawn Lynch. And it's second down. And we got a timeout, and there's 30 seconds left in the game. Give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and let him get 36 inches. That's all they needed. Put his head down. You win the Super Bowl game over. Yeah, they but tried no. to, they tricked themselves. A, a wise old coach always said to me, Don't trick yourself. Coach Barker? Coach Barker always said that to me. George Barker, you listen there. Don't trick yourself inside the red zone all right that's going to wrap up week two we'll come back with you next week we will wrap up and give you uh recaps rather of the wvu marshall game and nfl week one and our own favorite teams the cincinnati Bengals and the denver broncos yep i'm probably going to be pissed off next episode and we'll see about that anyway glad you guys joined us this week for another episode of pythons and pigskins if you would be interested in becoming a sponsor contact will alderman or zach belcher on facebook and if you need an affordable dj for your wedding reception for your birthday party for your corporate gathering or your high school class reunion give me a call at alderman dj service 304-688-0788 have a nice day everybody